Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody, welcome back to Talk Skills Podcast. My name is Sam. Today I'm joined by Jed. Say hello, Jed. Hello, mate. You're right. I'm all right, mate. And we're also joined by Adam. Say hello, Adam. Hello, everybody. Hope you're all well. Yeah. Uh, and just before we start, a big happy new year to all of our listeners. I hope you had a good one and you and your families enjoyed it. Um, we've got a bit of news coming out. We've got um, charity shirts on sale in association with Cam. Um, you can see their logo and the top uh, the top right of the screen if you're watching on youtube um if not it's all all over our social media's website and whatever you can go check out there it's a really cool shot it's going on for sale what, what's the price of it 27.99 jed yeah including postage yeah including postage it's a super cool shirt it's got all the the, the um cam branding and it's uh, designed by who designed it kitcraft designs yeah kitcraft designs yeah yeah um, yeah it did a fucking one. amazing job an amazing yeah, job the, the, the shirt looks sublime you know it's absolutely incredible mate we've had to keep it under wraps for a couple of months like I'm two or so three months excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited um 100 of the the profits that are made via shirt sales will be donated to uh calm the campaign against living miserably i just want to put in there as well um if you're viewing on youtube their helpline number is going across the bottom of of the screen uh if anyone needs it uh, they're a mental health charity um their aim is to help prevent suicide uh, particularly in males um and it's a, a very worthy cause so uh yeah hoping that we can do our bit for them this month and um 
yeah, and raise raise a lot of funds yeah. for them. And we're already selling shirts like at a rapid pace, which is which is insane. So thank you all already for the support of the people that have got in touch already. Um, it seems that mad that our little podcaster that is uh, is working with like a properly massive and fantastic organization that does like all this cool work to make a cool shirt to sell it and stuff you can see our old screamer shirt just behind jed if you're um viewing on youtube um but it looks 10 times better than that i love that shirt uh we've all got one but this new one kind of blows uh, out of the water that was i'm not gonna 20, lie <laughs> that was so a 2021 bad. kit uh, yeah. We've now got the the twenty one twenty two kit coming out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice shot that one, but it's just there's nothing to Check it out. Go to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. You can see the pictures of it. It's really really cool. Uh, but I suppose we should sort uh, talk about some football, boys. We've all just uh, watched the Manchester United Wolves game, so I'd imagine we just talk about that um, to start us off. Uh, well, uh, Wolves getting the three points at Old Trafford. I think it's the first time they've won. <clears throat> A league game at Old Trafford since something stupid like the 1980s, which is absolutely yeah, about insane. 40 years. Yeah, it's absolutely insane, and it's uh, well, this is probably the boss Man United team for 40 years, so um, it's uh, it's it's what I've done. But yeah, it's uh, it's not going as well. Oh, the, the changes aren't coming as quick as probably some Man United fans would expect them to come. Um, I'm going to start us off, boys, and speak a wee bit about the team shape. It's something that I looked at really, and it stood out. Um, and the, and the real foreground of the of the issues Man United were having in this game, and that was the the four four two shape they kind of started with. And it's just they were not willing to do the the running uh, to get into the space to receive a pass or provide support to a teammate. To, and they just could not get off the pitch. They had a couple of decent chances um, through a sort of counter attack and fashion, but in terms of build up play, it was really really subpar. Um, they had a little bit of a change. Bruno Fernandez came on, and they kind of changed to the the four two 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 system, uh, which which is what Ranić has kind of tried to implement from the start, which kind of did work a wee bit better. I'm not sure it worked really that well. I mean, they created a few chances, but at the same time, it's it's still does it. I'm of the mind of that it, it looked to be better because of how ineffective the four four two was. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think Manchester United deserve to get in out of this game. Uh, Bruno came close came close right to the death with a free kick. Uh, but actually, it kind of was a bit of a TV save. It kind of looked like a fairly more straightforward save than it did on a, on a telly. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Wolves did a, a great job. They were the the, the far better organised team, uh, and it definitely deserves something for the game. Um, so the the three points are definitely not. So they've not nicked anything. Uh, but I'm going to come to you, Adam. You've just uh, you just watched the match as well. What what were your standout points for it? It's. For me, looking at it, 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 it is very much that whole what what's the idea with Man United, and and obviously you, you spoke a little bit about the uh, the formation and the system there, and and then how they they went and changed it, and how sort of ineffective both were really. Um, obviously, Bruno had that other chance as well, where he, where he hit the bar. I think hit the bar he yeah. has has to be scoring that. By the way, it has, has to be. To be. Um, but yeah, it's it's more. The the actual system in place, I, I thought. I look, I can't claim to know a whole load about Ralph Ranić. Um, I don't think anyone did really. Um, we we'd seen managers like Klopp and, and Tuchel speak highly of of him. Obviously, worked with him before. I, I just I, w- I would have thought by now you'd have seen some sort of vision, something you know, just something being implemented, a, a clear pathway to the way that Man United will want to be playing. I, I think one of his first interviews that he did. He said he doesn't like back passes and he doesn't like sideways passes and we won't be seeing any of it. They're the only passes I saw Man United do yeah. all game. Sideways and backwards not. passes. 
Because um, the thing is, to get to get <clears throat> in positions to move forward, you need to move. <laughs> you, <know? Yeah. laughs> you can't just pass the ball and stay where you are. If you <laughs> in a four-four-two system, you know it's it's uh, carry on, Adam. Um, it's um, just it's insane. But well, no, that's that's that, that's just the point, and it's not um, like it's not just Wolves. Like you look at the the Newcastle, they played Newcastle. Newcastle are awful, and they almost played United off the park for like ninety minutes. Yeah. United came away lucky to get a draw from that game. Shot um, stuff looked like fucking. Anesta. I just <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just think the the big issue with United and the most concerning thing for United right now is the fact that after this many games there's no real sense of of change. You know, we we spoke about it a little bit in the chat while the game was going on. You can't really tell much of a difference between the way that they play for Ranić and the play that, the way that they played under Solskjaer, and that that is a big worry because as a Liverpool fan yourself, Simo, we'd know that. The results under Klopp to begin with, they weren't the, the most impressive results, but we could see something being built. Progress. And and I, I'm just not seeing it with Man United at the minute. Absolutely. And we found, I think the thing Klopp did was, was it just trying to implement <laughs> com- complete change? Like the, the way Liverpool play just now as a, a possession-based side um, with, you know, high attacking lines and stuff like that, that wasn't, that Klopp didn't just come in and implement our system. That that didn't happen. It was gradual change. It was gradual change. Largely, we changed right to initially a counter attacking system because we had a, a, a significantly poor back line and a poor goalkeeper as well. Uh, and Mingley, I think, was still the, the first choice when Klopp arrived at the club in uh, 2016 17. Uh, in fact, it may be 50, 15. It was, 50, it was yeah, right, 15, right at the end of 15. Right at the end of 15 into 16. Uh, you've seen these first four season in the, in the season of 16 17. But it was all gradual change, even right up to like the sort of 2018 season. You know, it was. We were still particularly poor at the back. Uh, we conceded quite a lot of goals, and, and, and but we were a high scoring side. But kind of, you could see the progress. So this whole sort of like massive change in philosophy. The only significant start I can see that's changed since Ranić has come in is the running stats. the The distances that Man United are now covering are are, are more. They're into the top third of the league, whereas they were in the, the, the sort of bottom quarter before they arrived. Um, so that, that's a, that's an initial change, but just because you're running around more doesn't mean that you're going to see more success. And obviously, they have had a, a couple of positive results, right? But they've played some from some very weak op- opposition, and they were up against a superiorly organised side today. And Wolves, uh, Bruno Large, obviously a, a team that's been struggling to get goals, but they, they, everybody can kind of see the the idea of how Wolves want to implement a system is very similar to Brighton. Uh, I would say last season or the season before. When Graham Potter came in, and the the big struggle was getting over the line, getting results, and Wolves kind of look like a side that's going to turn into that, and, and they, they will tip, I think, at some point, uh, and, and turn into a Brighton where you kind of become that upper 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 echelon mid upper mid table Premier League side, which is obviously still uh, from a worldwide standard a, a terrific football team, um, but it just feels like too much change too soon, and a philosophy, you know, by a combined age of seven eight or something. And the, and, and the two centre-forwards, I just don't think that works in a 4-4-2. If you look at successful 4-4-2 teams, you kind of think of, like, uh, immediately in the Premier League, you think of a Burnley who can press the pitch, the pitch really tight, um, try and win aerial duels high up the pitch, and then move on from there. There's a, there's a great video on, on Burnley's system on the TIFO um, uh, YouTube channel, channel, if you want to, like, see a, a 4-4-2 in, implemented well. That's a, that's a good place to start. Atletico as well. 
Atletico Madrid on a Simeone system, obviously, a, ve- a very good um, 4-4-2 system. Uh, I want to come to you, Jed. Um, what, are you, what are your main sort of takeaways for, for Man United? You, you've been impressed with uh, you Do you see them as a better side now than they were under Solskjaer, or do you feel like it's a, a sideways step? Um, I, I think in the long run, it will be a better move for them. Um, but the problem with bringing in someone like Ranić, who's like a, a, I guess he's a kind of project manager, um, he's not going to see instant success. And I think the problem with Man United is that they expect instant success. Um, mm-hmm. And they've only, in recent years, given you know Solskjaer a bit of you know a time as a manager to build something, and he's, he's not really built anything. Um, so I don't think we're going to see the proper Gagan-Pressing-style Man United for, for a long time. Uh, I think it's going to involve changing personnel at the, uh, you know, within the team over the course of the next like couple of seasons. Um, but I think that's obviously where they want to go. In terms of instant success, I, I don't see too much in terms of a difference as to what they're doing now other than pressing and running about a bit more you know, than they were under Solskjaer. Um, tonight, they just looked disjointed is the word I'd use for it. That You know, the passing just wasn't working. They, they lost the ball so, so many times. And Wolves seemed like the the better side. Um, you know, if you were to look at that, that game and think, you know, which team is, is playing in more of a system, which is more of a team, you'd say Wolves. And I think that they deserve the, the victory tonight. Um, what I will say is uh, I'm delighted to see Phil Jones back on the football pitch. Uh, made up for him. I think he. I think it's the he got, best thing um, ever. The second highest match, match um, rating of the Manchester United players, which I thought was absolutely that just, superb. Like, and, uh, that's I class. Put the, I put in the group chat, like, if you'd asked me, like, I don't know, like, maybe two or three years ago, of, of centre back pairings I would never expect to see in my lifetime, <laughs> like Phil Jones and Raphael Varane would have been like, right up there. <laughs> <laughs> he spent like a lot of years, a lot of years, like looking to his like left and right and seeing like Sergio Ramos, Marcelo, you know what I mean? Oh, and he's just like just in front of him, look at Modric, Tony Cruz, you know, these just fantastic movers in a ball, you know. And, and now he's got and Fred fucking and Phil hilarious. Jones. <laughs> he's getting comedy. Who just like God bless him, he just cannot cannot seem to get get a foot on the ball and um, put a few passes together. Was he? He's, he had, I think. Even in the first half, I must have counted maybe four or five properly loose passes. Not not passes that just go astray a wee bit. Passes that concede possession to the opposition and trigger yeah. a, a, a dangerous counter attack, which is just is is just at this level is just unacceptable. It's, it's it, unacceptable. it was his his fault his fault for the goal as well. Yeah. He uh, it wasn't picking up his man. He was in no man's land. Yeah, I think all around, like you know, in every area of that team, they need to change things. I think they need new players, you know, that are going to buy into that system. Um, because from what I've seen in the, in the first like few weeks of Rangnick being in charge, the players are, are they seem like they're making more effort in terms of pressing, you know, when they're off the ball. But then when they're on the ball, you know, there just doesn't seem to be they're not uh, running uh, out enough space. desire. Um, not running out of space to receive a pass or getting themselves into a yeah. position to support a teammate. That's yeah, like out of possession, they're doing more in possession. It's it, they seem to have gone backwards a little bit. Um, so it, it's it is a tricky one, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a happy season for Man United now this year. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a you know a case of building up to something for them. Um, whether they stick with Rangnick in charge or whether he just moves upstairs, I think that's the intention eventually. 
Um, you know, who knows how it's going to go. They might, they might well be behind the curve. You know, Gagan Pressing might have had its day in football within the next like two or three years. You never know. These things sort of like, know, like come this. into fashion and then something else comes through and, you know, they may well be behind the curve on that, but you know, only time will tell. I, I do think that um, there's, like I say, there's not much difference in what we're seeing in terms of Man United performances from earlier this season. Uh, they should have stuck with David Moyes all those years ago. Yeah, they should have just. He should still be in charge. He should still be in charge. I, I apparently hang on to chat. <laughs> um, I just think that. There's a reason that, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer chose to play counter-attacking football for, for the, the majority of his time in charge of, of Manchester United. Um, perhaps there is players in the squad that are capable of getting pressing, but they just aren't organised enough in, in, in trying to transition to that without like a full pre-season, you know, a full pre-season to work on things consistently for weeks at a time, you know, without a major international tour- tournament in the way, which he's not going to get because you're the World Cups next year. <laughs> it's... it's um, it's just, I think it'll be a while before we see any sort of real level Kagan press. And like you said, Jed, I want to touch on a point you said where you said that they recover, they seem to run off the ball, then we recover it, things seem to slow down a wee bit. And that's like Kagan press is when you recover the ball, you instantly return back into an attack. And the two best sort of, well, Manchester City, Manchester City is almost a Kagan press or a type of Kagan press with more shorter passes um, through the midfield. Um, Liverpool is, is a total gig and press team by sort of um, the, uh, the 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 standard if you may, sort of look at what what a gig and press is, and um, yeah, I think I think they're they're a little bit away from where where they want to be, but they need to find short term solutions to get results in the pitch because you need Champions League football, you need Europa League football um, if you're going to if you're going to progress aside and keep big players around. Um, I don't know why the, the the first port of call is Ronaldo and Cavani. They don't seem to be offering too much more than the two youngsters. Why not just... I mean, they're not the long-term solution. They're not the future of Manchester United by any means. The rotational players and great substitutes off the bench, they, they should focus on developing the talent they've got. But other, other, instead of doing that, they're playing Mason Greenwood and Jaden Sancho well out of position. Mason Greenwood generally doesn't know what he needs to do on that for elite. You know he was effective in some places. It looked quite lost because it was a very, like, it was a very sort of you're going to be the next centre forward of Manchester United Football Club, and it was like no, now you're going to be like a number ten, but just off the right. Now you're a bigger, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, now you're a bigger, now you're central midfield. You know, it's 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 uh, <laughs> it's, it's not great for like uh, an eighteen yeah. or nineteen or twenty twenty-one year um, the development. You know, I think that's a problem that Marcus Rashford has suffered from as well uh, in, his, Everton, yeah. in his time. Uh, Man United is like he's not just he hasn't played in one position and, and made that position his own he's sort of been put through the middle on the left on the right yeah. etc like it doesn't it, it it doesn't help players um, develop in my opinion I think like there's an argument for it that gives them more experience you can throw them in in different types of situations etc makes them more like well well rounded players but I think with with that type of player, if you're a young goal scorer, you need to be in a like you know a number nine basically. Isn't mm-hmm. it? You need to be in that role. I think Greenwood fits that position better than he does you know playing it out on the wing. In my opinion, he, he's, he's a, a great finisher, finisher sticking through the middle. Finisher, yeah. Um, uh, for, by by all accounts, by all the coaching staff, uh, under uh, and all his entire team uh, have said that he's the best aspect of his game is as he's finishing. Um, he's also a great striker of the ball. If you've 
seeing his sort of left foot and right foot finishes. Um, it, it, it makes sense from playing as a, as a natural striker. Whether he'll ever get the opportunity to do that, I don't. I don't really know. Um, but anyway, not as long as Ronaldo's at the club. Not as long. As, no, no, no. Yeah. He's, he's not going to play fucking Ronaldo on the wing, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Those days are kind of gone. Um, right, boys. I, I think we should move on. I want to talk a little bit about Romelu Lukaku um, and the the recent sort of noise that's been made around him and Chelsea Football Club. I just read something before we started the podcast that it was uh, that it was definitive from Chelsea that 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 Lukaku would not leave the leave the club for at least another two transfer windows. Um, so I think that 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 kind of nails down his immediate future. Um, Adam, I want to come to you and and kind of get your your opinion in the because it's been <clears throat> unfolding over the last sort of like two or three days, um, and it's been a lot of noise coming out. Have you seen that in the they were talking about it in the in the. I think it was because of the big high profile match of Chelsea Liverpool, which we are going to come on to and talk about. Um, but there was just so much, uh, so much to be said about it. There you go, Adam. Yeah, I, I actually have quite strong opinions on this. Um, firstly, well, I think some of the things that he said are, are, are pretty bizarre. Um, I, there's not, there's not really many footballers that come to mind when you think of some of the types of things he said, sort of directly against Chelsea and and how he sort of, he's pretty much directly said he wished he'd, he'd never left Inter. Um, and uh but but for me i i think what it is and and again these are strong opinions uh, i don't expect many people to agree with me i never thought and, and i i think lukaku is a good striker don't get me wrong i've never once thought that he was world class and a, a lot of people sort of put him in that bracket of being one of one of the better strikers in the world i don't think he is and i don't think there was ever a point where he was necessarily one of the best strikers in the Premier League, even when he scored, I think I think he scored over twenty goals once in the league. Um, I think England. it was an Everton shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think he's ever been at that sort of top quality level um, in England because I think simply I think it's too intense for him in the league. You know, it, it it didn't shock me to see him go to Italy where it's a much slower league. No disrespect to, to that league, of course, but it is a much slower league. He does have more time on the ball and he does have a lot more time in the box That's as well. That's why a lot of older players find success yeah. in Italy. You're actually Young's, you're even Alexis Sanchez to a certain point. Christian Eriksen's that are not really that good at running around before, obviously. He's, yeah. he's, he's, an, he's, he's instant, God, God bless him. But yeah, these older sort of players do have some success in, in Italy. Yeah, it, it, so it, yeah, of course it didn't. It didn't surprise me to see him go there and score the goals that he did. And then obviously all the hype came around about him signing for Chelsea for hundred million pounds, and and he was coming to prove everybody wrong that had called him a flop at Man United. I said from the get go it wasn't going to work. It just I didn't see a world in which Lukaku coming back to England. He, he would look any different how he looked at United. And so far, I know he's been injured, but so far from the games that he has played, I think I've been proved right. And I think that is part of the reason why some of this noise is coming out and why he wants to go back to Inter. Because he's maybe realised in himself, maybe I can't actually hack it in this league. Maybe I'm not as, as good as I thought I was. Um, I, I want to go back to Italy, bang thirty goals a season, and, and look like one of the greats again. You know, sort of get an easy life. Um, like I said, I know it's I know it's pretty strong opinions. I, I expect a lot of people to disagree with that. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. I have to be honest. But sorry, I... on just 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 one final point on the flip side. 
Harry Kane has said similar things. I, I know I said not many players come to mind. We spoke about it a little bit in the chat. Harry Kane has had said similar things to Romelu Lukaku. Now, I all of the crap that Lukaku's been getting from Chelsea fans and other fans, I agree with. I think he deserves it. But where was that energy for Harry Kane? Was it non-existent almost? Yeah, Gary Gary Neville's still up on his on his uh, what's it called on the, on the overlap on his YouTube channel, calling him a saint a few weeks later. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's double standards if I've ever seen. I think um, well, in terms of just, the... to, just before you get go on, little Jed, I just want to continue on a point on Adam uh, that Adam's just said because it's the main point I wanted to talk about for Romelu Lukaku. I think yeah, he's very much like if he wants to move back to Italy, he's very much. Very much painted that in the light. That interview paints it in the light. It's Chelsea's fault. It's not mine. I'm not. I'm not scoring every week. You know, it's Chelsea's fault. It's the system's fault. <laughs> I'm out of position. Um, <laughs> where he's where he's right through the middle. So I don't. I don't see how he's out of position. Um, <laughs> but the the main thing, I I I agree with the backlash from the fans. If it was a Liverpool player, I'd be furious. I would want them gone. We had that similar with Coutinho. I was happy to see Coutinho go when he when he left. I was happy to collect that 140 million pounds and and build a team that was. That, that, that would win the Champions League and then go on to win the, the, the Premier League. It was a great move for Liverpool. Um, what I don't agree with is the mainstream media reaction to, to Romelu Lukaku. I mean, if the, 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 the main... The, I'm not going to try and even like beat around the bush. One of these is a, an English white player. The, the other one is a, is a Belgian black player. The reaction by the mainstream media... It's Sky Sports, the biggest uh, uh, the media output in, in our country... Um, it was disgraceful. We call him. He, he needs to apologise. He should fuck. He has to publicly apologise. But a game on the bench isn't enough, and a game out the squad isn't enough. And you know he's a disgrace. And blah blah blah. You can't have this at a football club. He needs to apologise to absolutely everybody, the teammates, the players, the cheers. <laughs> he needs to apologise. You know, and it's just absolute outrage. But as you said, I watched the the, the entirety of the of Gary Neville's interview on the overlap. You know, Harry Kane said, "Oh yeah, they sh- if they get a hundred billion, they should just they should just let me go." You know, because you know that's 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 the way the game is, and that's what I want. And you know, I'm Harry Kane, and what's it? <laughs> what I want kind of goes, you know. And it's just, and I remember when Gary yeah uh, Gary Neville called Harry Kane a football and saying, "I fucking nearly jump off my couch because I was watching it when it was live." <laughs> and I just think it's an absolute disgrace that these people that are that are meant to be campaigning for kick it out and. Before that racism, the red card, and taking a knee, and black, black Lives Matter. When it's the mainstream media, and it's so in your face, in the forefront, evident, that there's one clear difference. They're both strikers, they're both top-level, high-valued strikers that are that are within the profile of the of the 10 most talked-about strikers in the world consistently, and have been for the last sort of five or six years. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that they, the, 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 the polar opposite reactions are so in your front in the forefront that it's just what if you wonder why there's so horrible racism in states in stadiums look a wee bit closer to home look about look at how you talk about players to hundreds of millions of people live on the television you know but on you go jed that was a point i, um, I wanted to go on that, i wanted to, to touch on the same point about just the reactions i think yeah i i completely agree with with everything you're saying Simo. but i do want to play devil's advocate a little bit in terms of why the reaction has been different between Kane and Lukaku. And I think the thing about Harry Kane is he is a product of the Tottenham Academy. I think most Tottenham fans may have accepted that they may lose him at some point. Um, So I feel like it's less of a surprise to see him saying that he's ready to leave the club, especially given that he's been there so long, not won anything, etc. 
Not saying I agree with it. I don't think players, while I'm all for, you know, players being able to come out and speak freely and stuff, I I, I think that it's it lacks a bit of class if you're coming out openly and saying that you want to leave a club, basically, you know, with nothing in place to actually then follow up on that and you're going to end up there. Uh, you're not going to end up going. But um, that is the situation that Harry Kane's in, whereas Lukaku has just been bought in the summer for £100 million. Um, within six months, he's saying... I want to leave the club. I can understand why there's a bit more of a outrage at that because if you pay 100 million for for a player, you expect <laughs> player. at least a full season out of yeah, them before yeah. before they're saying they want to leave. You know, <laughs> and like um, so, I can understand it when you look at it. It you know from that point of view, um, yeah. and that's why that's why I say I want to play the, devil's advocate a little bit because. The- I completely agree with that. I don't. I'm, I'm not like. I'm not saying Lukaku has done anything. Anything that's he's not. He's not done anything wrong. I'm not saying he's not done anything wrong. Right. <laughs> like I think if you're at a football <laughs> club and the fans are paying you wages, then you should at least not say you want to bend them off six months later after they've paid a hundred million pounds for you. I, just, I I don't think that's something you should do. But at the same time, I completely dis- disagree with the the, the way um, Harry Kane reacted and in, in showing sort of like the, the, the yeah. club that made him. Um, and saying right I, I want to go right if you want to make that kind of noise make that noise right yeah. but the reaction from the pundits the media, and media yeah. should be the same yeah. that's what I, I, I just feel like the, yeah. they both did similar actions and the, the, the reaction from mainstream media was completely different I just feel that it was so yeah, I, agree. I agree I think ultimately what it boils down to is that no player should ever be bigger than the club that they're playing for yeah um, and I think that they kind of allowed that to happen with Harry Kane and let it slide. And with Lukaku, it's not been allowed to happen. Um, which you know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't have been allowed to happen for Kane either. There should have been the same level of reaction as what Lukaku's had, albeit different circumstances. Um, I, I don't think that that you know it is. It has been very balanced. But you know, what what can we do about it? We can only say our piece. Uh, and I think that the media take a lot from fans' reaction as well. And I think that in this situation. Um, a lot of Tottenham fans probably didn't want to see Harry Kane leave, so maybe didn't kick up too much of a fuss about it. Um, but Chelsea fans are more used to their players leaving and then they'll just go and sign someone else for God knows how much. So maybe they're a bit more, you know, hot-headed about it and have jumped up on Lukaku straight away. You know, I don't know. There's 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 loads of different factors to, to consider with it. Um, that's just my take on it. In terms of, like, what he actually said, I think, like... <laughs> It's a bit, it's a bit bizarre to do it now. He said so much mad shit that kind of contradicted a lot yeah. of what he said before, which I and think is just, why they're the, ma- the major upset. Just, I think the, the one was timing. like. I, as well. he, he mentioned like uh, I think it's a quote a direct quote it would be like so oh the, the clubs every player dream, dreams of playing for are like Bayern um, uh, Bayern Real Madrid Barcelona all these sort of stuff and then but left out left out Chelsea off the list <laughs> and kind of pretty much said oh well I, I couldn't go to them so I had to go to Chelsea <laughs> yeah, <it's just laughs> don't like, say that Rom you know like, don't say I, that I, I, like, I don't know whether he's hoping that a team is going to come in for him and buy him like in, in January, but at, at the same time, like even he must know if if you've been bought for a hundred million pounds, you're not going to be sold six months later. That just won't happen. And even Chelsea have said, you know, he's not going to leave for the next two transfer windows at least, because you can't you can't even Chelsea can't pump that much money into a sign in and then just spunk it yeah. away in January for 
probably less. Like they wouldn't get a hundred million for him now yeah. because he's only scored, you know, four or five goals or something this season. So, like, even Lukaku must know that. So uh, the timing of it just seems weird for me. I think it was um, maybe like I, I kind of like I don't know where I seen this or even I might have just thought about it, but like. It was in my brain at some point. It was a, like a swap deal for Harry Kane for Lukaku. Lukaku <laughs> gets to go and what the coin A who he's worked with before and knows how to get the best so, from him. an interesting experiment. Is that a, is that a thing, he, Adam? Uh, 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 apparently, well, I think Lukaku has supposedly said he would like to play for Conte again. And this was apparently like the other day, I think. So uh, yeah. that might have been where it's come, what sort of stemmed but from. Kinda- yeah, came in my brain, <laughs> came in my dumb brain. Uh, but that—that's—I I mean, obviously, that's just too convenient a deal. Like, no side would feel like they're getting the better, the better sort of cutter, the um, the pie in that. Can you imagine if that went through? That would be. It'd be funny. It's a very football manager sort of. Sort yeah, of it'd be one of the biggest, biggest transfer stories of the century. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think 100%. so. Um, and it wouldn't work it'd work out dreadfully 100% it wouldn't work out for Lukaku and it wouldn't work out for Kane none of them would like Chelsea wouldn't win a trophy till Harry Kane retires and Lukaku can you imagine, would, like, would be at Spurs with Conte sacked like three months later you know can <laughs> you imagine be, like Lukaku just like kissing the Spurs badge in front of the Chelsea <laughs> fans or something though. like <laughs> it'd be really funny yeah yeah <laughs> Right, old boys, I want to move on I want to talk about one of the games of the season for the neutral the um the, uh, the the Liverpool Chelsea game or the Chelsea Liverpool game should I say uh, at the bridge um, Adam Liverpool fan I want to come at you what was your thoughts in the match I know there'll be a lot of things you liked about the start of the game and a, and a lot of things that you, you maybe disliked in the match as well <laughs> are you there Adam I think I think I think my, my internet's uh, playing up a little bit boys just just bear with me one moment um, keep talking no I'll, I'll just try and fix it I'll come at you Jed yeah I was thinking that you just said it was a great game for the neutral and then you went to a non-neutral. I was like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed that game. It was just end-to-end from minute one. Um, It was a really, really... I know I'm going to get slaughtered for this, but it was a great advert for the Premier League. Um, (laughs) Bit of <laughs> I've yeah. not just I, I've I've not just come back to hearing that. I've had, <laughs> <laughs> that the first it thing was. I've heard as I've refreshed. I don't yeah, care. I nobody's don't care heard of the Premier League. It's an advert. Whichever way you look at it, like I don't care whichever way you look at it. That game was box office. Barclays Premier League. It was, like, it that was right. brilliant. Um, I think that I want to start with the Mane booking. Inside the first, like, it's not red. Seconds. I don't know why people are even talking about this. I know you think that it was only a yellow. Um, it's because the arm hits the face. Uh, but I just wanted to clarify. I also think it's only a yellow, and it's because oh, okay. he's purely <laughs> looking at the ball at the time when he jumps. Yeah. If he if he was looking at the player, it, there's more intent there. Yeah. But because he's looking at the ball and he's gone up with his arm up, it yeah, that's what made it a yellow. Um, but oh, you know, we had to talk about that at some point because it was a. A controversial decision. Yeah, um, but I yeah, don't know why there was so just, much. Like, there was some. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I, the I most obvious like, yellow I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's it's purely just because it they don't happen very often. Elbows, you know, like mm. flying elbows. That's yeah. why people make things out of it, don't they? But, yeah, um, but yeah I mean, I thought, just, just like look at Fellaini. The amount of times Fellaini would elbow someone in the face in a game, he'd, yeah. he'd only ever get a book in for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's he didn't play in the, the VAR era, though. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay, well, can I, you I, imagine? Uh, <laughs> Jacques levels red cards. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think when it when it comes to things like that, when it is an elbow, it is 
is very much about the player's intent. And I, well, ju- I think just... It was just, more forearm for me, you know? I don't think, like... He, he, well, it doesn't matter, matter well, it doesn't whether it's it elbow be, or forearm. Yeah. It's, it's still an arm in the face yeah. that makes it a foul. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I, I say, I yeah, it's, it, just, it's just where he's looking. If he's looking at the player, yeah. he's going to yeah. hurt the player. If he's looking at the ball, he's just trying to win the ball and gain a bit of leverage on Azpilicueta. They're yeah. both short blokes, aren't they, Mali and Azpilicueta? Mm. They've both got to use their arms to, to get up yeah. and, and win a header. So you can, you know... You can understand what, where it's come from, but yeah, uh, they did make a, a big fuss out of it on, yeah. on the telly, but you know. yeah, the pundits were like acting uh, as if it was like, you know what I mean? Like the, under- the Undertaker had just delivered a choke slam, you know? And remember, I seen one, I think I was watching film in the championship with Mitrovic, I think it was immediately into the match or something, just, or he'd just come off the bench and he's immediately sent off for an actual elbow in the face, like connected to the jock and that elbow where there's like the ball's not even in the air, you know? <laughs> Those are the obvious red cards for me, like Manny and, and Aspilicueta are like competing for a ball, it's just, it's just, they're just looking for something to talk about, yeah. but yeah. 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 Yeah, Adam, um, you're back with I it. I thought that Mo oh, Salah oh, took his goal really well. Oh yeah, it was a superb goal. It's a superb goal. Oh, you go, Jed. Carry on. Yeah, carry on. So yeah, I was going to say though, just like vintage Mo Salah is what I what I took from it. Um, like the way he's just brought the ball down first, first and foremost, just sort of edge of the box. It's a great pass from Trent, um, and then the way he just sells the defender and just gets in down at the near post, like. There's there's very few players that are going to do that and score a goal like that, you know, it in is. the world probably. Uh, most would probably look to cut back inside and try and go for the far corner, or, or then try and sell the goalkeeper and go near post. But Salah literally just thought, yeah, now I've got him here, done, and then and then he finishes really well. Like you would you expect the keeper to do a bit better? Yeah, um, Mandy thinks it's post, but awesome. like, Salah just has a way of finding that gap. Mm. Yeah, he just he has a way of finding that gap, doesn't he? And just and squeezing goals in like the guy is just world class. Um, the um, great goal. I think the um, run is the bit that, that that I admire most about it is uh, I think it's Aspilicueta he's running with, and he, he's he's sprinting. Then he decelerates. Yeah. He, he slows himself down, and he knows if he slows his defender down, and they both come at a sort of like almost a stop, yeah. or at least a decrease in speed. Yeah. If he goes, then then he's going to lose him, and he does. And, a little and stop and go. Yeah, a little yeah. stop and go, and he's he's the most one of the best balanced and agile players in the, in the planet, and he's in the finish as well. It's just ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on the match, Adam? Um, I, I I mean, look, it was. I'm sure I'm sure Jed probably enjoyed the game a lot more than we did. Um, <laughs> it felt like I mean, even when we were two 0 up, my issue with with that game was it never really felt like we were in control. No, I never. I think I think at two 0 up there were points where we were we were cruising a little bit and the game almost it almost felt a little bit done, but we were never really in control of it. But I think that's just because Chelsea didn't really look like scoring, not really because of how how good we were necessarily. Um, I don't saying that though, I don't I don't necessarily think anyone in the Liverpool squad had had a terrible performance apart from I I, I don't think Henderson was great. I don't think Fabinho was great. But apart from that, I think everyone played reasonably okay. If not, some players actually played quite well. Um, it just didn't really seem to click for us for for whatever reason. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on on what it was. We just really struggled mm-hmm. to keep the ball. Um, but but yeah, it's just uh, 
was it was one of those games where you just you you can't believe again from this Liverpool team that were dubbed as sort of mentality monsters not that long ago. You know, a, a team that would just keep battling until the end and and would sort of just find a way no matter what. And and we just recently, it seems, especially in the in the last sort of couple months, we just keep dropping points from winning positions, and it it's just another one where it's not even just a, it's a two goal lead, a two goal lead in in a game where we look like we we probably should have scored more. I, th- I think Salah himself maybe could have had a couple more. Um, Mane maybe another one as well. Especially, but especially, yeah, I think it could have had it all. Um, but yeah, just 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 another game where we're leading, and like I said, this one by two goals, and we just we just fail to 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 sort of come away with the win, and it it, it is really concerning. I said after the game, I think obviously the only real winner on that day was Man City. That, that was a perfect result for Man City. I I said it after that game. Although I do believe it is a very premature time to be making a statement like this. I know a lot of other people have, but. I, I think that game signalled the, the title race being over. I, I think it is very much Man City's title to lose now. And that's not that's not me saying I don't think Chelsea and Liverpool can make up those points. I just don't see Man City dropping that amount of points to be for them to be made up on. Um yeah, it's gonna be really difficult from now. Historically Man City are better after Christmas. Yeah. Um yeah. the wins a lot of the internationals are out of the way. Um and they don't only really need to worry about the Champions League. Um, Man City kind of go into a cruise control mode, um, and and they really you need to have some real distance between you and them at, at Christmas if you if you want to win the title because it's like and it's just it's just, for the first like I think Graham Souness was talking a little bit about it in the studio where he said um, you know back in the day you know a, a draw away at Chelsea is is a it's a great result you know it's, you take that you take if you're offered that before the game you take that and you can and you can probably be champions in that kind of form whereas this it's just. You know, you cannot afford to draw. Cannot afford to draw. Cannot afford to lose. You know, anything but three points, you just end up. You just and, and Liverpool aren't in terrible form. Neither are Chelsea, really. Yeah. Like they're not in shocking form, but it kind of feels like this machine of Man City. Um, and if they go and get a Haaland or something like that, then it's just it really is for the next couple of years. Just just over. Um, that, that's it's, what I mean. It's crazy. The, the fact so. <laughs> You you were just speaking on a draw against Chelsea being a good result, and and it is in the grand scheme of things. But we're sat here saying a draw against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in January, is a bad, and then the title is and the, the title could be over in January because we've drawn <laughs> to Chelsea at home. That that's just how how good this Man City squad is, and everything needs to be taken with a pinch of salt because of the money that they spent, but. You know the, the the facts are the facts. They are just that good, um, and 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 that's also I think another bit of a shame as a Liverpool fan. Just the fact that this this Klopp's Liverpool team Isn't might only win it might only win one Premier League might only win one Premier League for how good it's been, <laughs> and, uh, and we it's... just have to exist in a time where this Man City team is, and it's yeah, and it's we maybe. This the the Klopp side as it is. We probably have it for like this the actual spine and the bread and butter of this team. We probably only have it for another two or three years, like the real yeah. big important like um, sort of characters in it. And it's, it's true they they might only win one Premier League, which is insane. This is the by far and away the best Liverpool team I've ever seen in my lifetime. I that obviously I was, I was born in the nineties, um, so I don't really 
and I, I lived through, you know, the 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 the, the glory years of like Paisley, uh, Douglas, and, and Shankly, and things like that. I just those aren't memories for me. These are these are historical moments that I've seen on on videos and stuff like that. Of my sort of my lifetime, this is by far and away the the best squad of Liverpool players I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, it could, it could it could just be one title, which is which is insane. But I'm never going to write this off because you know a couple of bad results for Man City, and we're, I mean maybe back up there. But it's just it's a, it's a stretch. It's a stretch, and all Liverpool can really do is maybe now that the pressure's well and truly off, and no one really expects anybody because a lot of the football and people, the people in football, are saying this is probably over. Um, Minus a few sort of like really bizarre results. This is this is probably done and dusted, yeah. and it will be a race for Champions League, and it really is a yeah. race for fourth. Really is, but it's what we're <laughs> forward to. Um, but the pressure when, when the pressure comes off Liverpool and people don't expect Liverpool to do anything, they, they tend to do their best work. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I want to be. I want to try and like g is up a bit and say like, oh, you know, anything can happen. So don't give up hope, but like. That Man City team is just so good. <laughs> they're, in, <laughs> they're, in, um, they're in that mode where they grind results out and then they just kick on. And yeah. like, you look at what they did against Arsenal. Like, they ground out that result when they probably were second best on the day. That's what champions do. And yeah. you know, Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, were both they both played well in this game, but neither of them was able to grind out a result. Um, and that. That ultimately is the difference that uh, you know has been the difference so far this season. I think it was um, the difference but, in, the, in the the Premier League winning season for Liverpool. The matter like sort of like one now, yeah. your two ones, you know, your sort of like last minute result against Newcastle. You know what I mean? Sort of like um, they, they were huge results. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, I always highlight the Villa game in that season, one yeah. nil down in like the eighty eighth minute or something, mm-hmm. win two one. Yeah, but yeah, this is the, the like city are in that mode. I, I think it doesn't help that they are now. That's what, I think, that's what title I think they've won eleven be. on the bounce now. City, mm-hmm. I think it's eleven on the bounce they've won. So it doesn't help when we're, we're speaking about the title being over and you look at this, this run of form that they're in because you just sort of expect it to continue. Like you genuinely, like they could just go to the end of the season and win every single game. That's not out of the question for this Man City team. Like, it's yeah. unlikely, sure, but like they they could very well do it. Yeah, I mean, there's like with the way they, they could, pass yeah. teams they to could. death is just like <laughs> you know, it's it's a real day when the when they're the um, second best, and sometimes when they are, they still count on top. <laughs> before know? we uh, before we like move on from the Chelsea Liverpool game, I I do want to say um, two things really. The Kovacic volley was an absolute worldie. Um, you know, you never knew anything about that. You never knew anything about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that is a goal. That is a goal of the season contender. I think he's just hit and hope. Fuck it, and it's gone. You know what I mean? Oh my god, what a goal! Uh, but still, like, what a finish! You could, you could, um, you could tell on by his face when he hit it. He, he just sort of, he, he panicked and he just, yeah, put his foot through. Like, <laughs> that was a little bottom corner. <laughs> but still, like the actual, like. <laughs> nine yeah, times out of ten they go they go nowhere mean. and that one's just flown in like what a goal uh, I wanted to mention that at some point that, and it's... also um, I also wanted to mention Gary Neville um, because he was oh, making some God. very oh. very questionable noises um, <laughs> like Neville and Tyler on like a, a Liverpool Chelsea game just been ever, whenever it doesn't go Liverpool's way you just get a lot of, oh, <laughs> everything oh, literally every, right. every five minutes it was oh <laughs> 
And then the one that he did in the was it in the second half where he was just sort of like, <laughs> Martin Taylor. Yeah, it was like, I, I'm not, clip, but it was. I actually don't like Martin Taylor. I, I quite enjoy his Corbin trailer. I know a lot of people think um that gets every bit it's every bit cheesy about Apple, but I actually quite like Martin Taylor's commentary. I don't I don't mind that at all, man, but when he's commentating on Liverpool, it's just difficult because if Mo Salah's gonna go, go Mo Salah, and then as soon as I'm Man United score, it'll be like It'll be like the, the easiest finish you ever seen him. You know, it's fucking, I'm like, come on, at least try, at least try, Mister Taylor. You know, at least try. It's the, Gar- and- the Gary Neville, the the length of the the Gary Neville, like oh, when the equaliser went in was just unnecessary. But yeah. like it was great entertainment for me as a neutral. It's just yeah. like. <laughs> extremely frustrating kind of feels like someone's like twisting your nipple or something <laughs> it's such a really uncomfortable annoying feeling <laughs> <You know? laughs> when we concede and um, all I can hear is fucking oh someone like the word like the worst jizzing pants <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> shut up <laughs> yeah, it was, was like the worst sort of five to ten minutes of my entire season <laughs> hated it <laughs> Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Um, boys, we've been going for actually quite a while. I want to finish up with the, the Arsenal City game and just get your um, get your thoughts on it because there's a lot of controversial stuff in this match and we'll finish up in this. And, uh, I'll come to you first, Adam. Like, VAR, VAR is struggling recently. I've def- difficult few games for VAR and people are really... People kind of got over it for a, for a minute. People were over it for a minute and, and they were just like, right, it's here, it's fine, whatever. It's, wor- it's working slightly and now it's kind of it's kind of really in a bad light i don't fully understand what it's doing yeah i've i mean i've I've never really been a big fan of var in general i never really wanted it in the game however i do acknowledge that the, the technology itself it does work i think last season it was so sort of amped up probably more so because of the actual rules of the game. I think obviously a lot of it was they changed the handball rule about five times throughout the season and uh, and then the offside being really tight. Like, like last season, I think level was, was pretty much offside last season. Yeah, so they've... I think the reason that people perhaps maybe laid off it a bit this season is because of the, there was a few decent rule changes which made VAR look better because now the strikers have got that little bit more leeway when it comes to offsides and, and things like that and the handball yeah, rule i think although it's handball not, thing as well yeah well, yeah although it's yeah i still i still don't think the handball rule is perfect but it's certainly a lot better than what better. it was last season better. um but it will always come to a point in this country where the <laughs> officials will be exposed for just how terrible they are um, I think again that was another large part of why everyone was so sort of annoyed last season is because it, it's it feels childlike at times. Like the 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 officials don't even understand the rules, um, and I think it's just getting to that point again now uh, during this season where you can almost put your hat your house on it that every single week there will be at least one game that is officiated so poorly uh, and and it, it kind of feels and like it's, a non-result. You know? Yeah, and it's like it's like a refereeing error that is actually you know changing a team. The difference between the team getting three points and, and sometimes zero. Um, and I do think that was that was the case for Arsenal. Look, Arsenal uh, they did fall apart um, if, in regards to the sending off for Gabriel. Like it, that 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 was a second yellow. It was a yellow card. It was it was stupid from him. But the two penalty incidents. <laughs> 
It's the most bizarre thing is I think with the first one, he's not even asked to go and check. And and it was similar again. Obviously, not to go back to Liverpool, but when you go back to the Liverpool Tottenham game, it was with like with the Harry Kane and Andy Robertson challenges. The first, the Harry Kane challenge, the referee's not even asked to go to go and check. Whereas with the Andy Robertson one, it's like, oh, you you might you might want to go and check that one. Why? Why? What's with the sort of double jeopardy? Why? Why? Why is there such I a big inconsistency surely, there? Surely, it would work better if VAR was the over. If VAR was the the overall authority, then then it's fine. Like, yeah, I, th- all, what, I don't mind a referee missing something. I don't fucking mind it as long as we yeah. get to the right decision. In the end, <coughs> if VAR come in and say that's a pen, that, that, there should even be a monitor on the pitch. It should just get like Mike Dean. You have missed something. That's a penalty to to um, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, fucking yeah. whatever. I, th- I, I think just, they said I don't that at the start. They go didn't. look at the monitor. There might be a penalty. You know, what I mean? fucking yeah, yeah, just yeah. Tell, tell the man. You know what I mean? I think I think the, they the problem said is so. me, the problem with that is though that if the referee is seen to be making wrong decisions actively and having to be overruled, it it, it creates a it, sort I mean. of lack of trust from the players and the fans and stuff and it just gives if the players, referee if players like, were made to respect referees a wee bit better then, then then it would be fine it would be fine yeah like, it would be but it would be but with the current state of, of it at the minute if, if a referee is getting calls wrong they've lost that game 100% they lost no, it but, uh, so, so uh, it needs to be seen to be making their own decision if that makes sense but, sure, but surely surely you would have, rather have the right decision than just have oh, yeah, the perception I, I of the right decision I would, yeah, but that's. I think that's why they're doing it this way at the minute. Uh, I see it on. Yeah, they, I, I watched the rugby. I watched the Six Nations. I watched the World Cup, and I see they implement their, their version of VAR implemented yeah. really, really well. The thing is, and, and rugby, and I know a lot of people hate this um, analogy, but it's 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 true that the referees are more respected. They get a lot more time. And yeah, they they're, are. they're allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to talk to the screen. Right? Was that was that offside? Was that a uh, does he kick it? Does it? Is it a forward pass? Is it this? Is it that? I don't see it. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't mind going to the screen. Not everybody can see everything in, in slow motion. If you've ever stood on a football pitch, you know that it's hard to see shit because there's people in the fucking way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't like... It's not a game of FIFA on the pitch. The referee isn't watching. The referee doesn't see what you see. He sees yeah. fucking like 20, 20 fucking two players all around him. You know what I mean? That's what he sees. And I don't see the issue of being like, right, Mike Dean, fucking, you've got that, you've got that wrong, but I should, well, we're going to, we're going to go a penalty to, to the, the opposition. And then Mike Dean all just goes, boop, and he, and he directs a penalty. Oh, it doesn't even need to be a big screen. He just needs to get it for a year. You've missed that. Give a penalty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For all he knows, he's just asking. For all he knows, he's just asking. I missed that. Do you know what I mean? For all, if it, all he needs to be doing is touching his ear to, to speak to VAR. You know, for me though, it is it's the inconsistencies though because VAR have said they don't want to re-referee a game and take that sort of power away from the referee, but they do that anyway because as soon as they, they tell do that, him to go to the sc- yeah. as soon as they tell him to go to the screen, he's changing his mind. That's that it's yeah. become a thing. You just know it's going to happen. For me, it's the inconsistencies, and I just I just go back to it of in the two penalty situations in the Arsenal Man City game. First one, obviously for Arsenal, the referee is not asked to go and check. The, the monitor again now obviously whether VAR is overruling that or not is is a different story whether how, how they want to officiate it is a different story it's the fact that they've not got involved in that decision yeah but then the one that goes for City they ask him to, to go and check and, and they get him why, why why what's the difference between the two 
I don't I don't understand why one is being intervened with and one I, isn't. I think genuinely the, don't, uh, I don't think the, people the actually Arsenal care one. about if it's the man on the pitch that makes a decision. I think that's just no, a I, 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 I think it's like less. I think that's like seventy year old men who goes, it needs to be the man because he's the man in the black shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who gives a fuck? I just want <laughs> the right fucking decision that makes sense oh, yeah. to ninety nine percent of the population. I agree, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that like that there's a there's a, a perception from like the referee's perspective in that they lose they they, they like lose control of the game if they're actively being seen. Never to get in a, they're wrong. never in control of the game. The referee um, is never in control of the game in a game of football. No, I think a lot of them a lot of them are not in one like, case. Not in one case have I ever watched a football match and thought, I know some people that go, the referee had a really good game. Fuck off. No, he never. (laughs) If he's done, the thing is, it's a devil's advocate because if he does an amazing job and gets every decision right, no one gives a fuck. (laughs) No one cares. (laughs) No one's like, oh, the referee did so well. Well done him. No no one's like, you might get one, the odd pundit that's like, yeah, he did it. Well done. But the the average like man on the street, man in the stadium, is fucking, it's just, (laughs) doesn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? So, Kills, he's yeah, never in control. What I'm trying to, he's constantly what I'm trying to say surrounded. Like, what I'm trying to say yeah. is, like, imagine if you're watching the game and like the the ref gives a, a goal kick instead of a, a penalty or something, and then um, like five minutes later he gets sold. Oh no! Like we need to give the penalty. You're going to be sat there thinking, oh, this guy doesn't have a, a, like, a clue. So like, what everything he's given could be going the wrong way, etc. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I think that's why they, anyway. they try and make more anyway. of a thing out of it. Uh, but what I wanted to say about the Arsenal penalty is that I think that um, if that is is more of a case for he should be looking at the screen than the Man City one in my head, because there's more of a debate about whether it's a foul or not. So surely if you're debating whether it's a foul or not, you need the referee to go and give his opinion by looking at the screen. Uh, the, the Man City one, was was clearly a foul. When you see one replay, you can see Jacker's legs sticking out, and yeah. you know Bernardo Silva's gone over it. Yes, he's looking for it, but it's a foul. The 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 Arsenal one, the challenge on Odegaard. You look at the replays and you think, well, one of them looks like he's won the ball. One of them looks like he's got all of the man. You know, which is it? You need to go and decide. So so it is baffling as to why they didn't ask him to look at the screen for that one. Um, I, I can't really understand it. I, I think Arsenal have have been a bit hard done by because I thought it was a penalty personally. It looks like he gets more of the man than the ball for me, and that that's a penalty, isn't it? It's a penalty, penalty for me. Um, I think the the overwhelming majority will say that that's a penalty. Yeah, a few Man um, fans will, will say that. Yeah, they both they both were they both um, were. Um, these, these decisions change the structure of the table and the and the, yeah. the outlook for the for the league because if if I, if Man City don't get three points in that match, then maybe maybe it's not completely out of question that Chelsea and Liverpool do something. You know, maybe it's not completely out of question. But I don't want yeah, a league that's dictated by bad decisions like that. Even, I think that 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 game could have went any other way. If you if you if Arsenal you know. had full control of that game, yeah. I, I know it. It yeah. was Arsenal did capitulate afterwards. Fair enough. But up to the point of the penalty, Arsenal were in complete control of that game, and I, I genuinely believe they would have gone on to win it. Yeah, I do as well. I do as well. Right, we could debate it all day, boys. But sadly. We are out of time. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me, Jed and Adam. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank yeah. you very much to the listeners. Uh, please check out our cam shirt. Uh, it's really, really cool. It goes to a great cause. Again, 100% of the money. We don't take any money from any podcasting um, at all. It all goes back into the pod. And 
any money made from these shirts does not go into our pocket. It all goes into the pocket of Cam. Uh, we'll do a post uh, at the end of the month and, and let everybody know how much we've raised and everybody can go home with a cool shirt and know they did something for a, for a great, great cause. Uh, until next time, I believe we're coming back on Thursday uh, for a, for another Premier League show. So we'll, we'll see you then. Hopefully there'll be a bit of news in the transfer window that we can discuss. Uh, but until then, cheerio, bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.